You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2022. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy, simple ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about. So save your kvetching, we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. Welcome to today's episode. We are diving into Passover. Can you believe it's crept up on us already in 2022? It's not particularly early this year, but it still feels like, goodness me, Passover is here already. So here we are on the podcast. We are dedicating today's episode to Passover, Pesach, whatever you want to call it. And I'm joined with my great friends, Emily and Sam from the Your Jewish Life content team. Hi, guys. Hey, Karen. We want to just, you know, talk Passover stories, past, present, future, what we're planning for this year. And we're going to be talking about the traditions, how we do Seder and what you guys might want to do who are listening and just lots of fun ideas. And do join in the conversation. Just DM us at Your Jewish Life on Instagram and, and get involved. But where should we start? Sam, I know you're famous for saying that Passover is your favorite Jewish holiday. What, what do you love about it? Oh, it is my favorite Jewish holiday. And it's funny because the reason it's my favorite holiday is probably everybody's reason why it's their least favorite holiday, which is the food. Uh, <laughs> growing up, growing up gluten-free, there weren't a lot of options for me. So Passover was the one time a year I could eat everything. And it was so exciting and so much fun. And so I have such nostalgia with all of these Passover treats that everybody gets every year. And so I'm really, I'm already menu planning in my head. <laughs> Good. Let's chat menus. Emily, how do you feel about Passover? Well, it's funny hearing Sam you know, tell her story because as a kid, I actually really hated Passover for sort of the exact same reason Sam loved Passover because I am not and have never been gluten-free and I am like a huge carb addict, like carbs are like my main food. Um, and I really resented being forced to give up my carbs for a week. I think at one point when I was probably like late elementary school age, I said, like, my mom wrote this down because she thought it was so funny. I said, it's hard to celebrate when you're suffering. And that was sort of my <laughs> take on Passover. Um, what, a, what a Jewish, what a Jewish sentiment, suffering <laughs> yeah, and right? celebrating. Matzah feels so. like a punishment. I'm sorry, but there's nothing to love about matzah. I mean, fortunately, since I've had kids, I don't know if you guys do this, but we totally pimp up our matzahs. We do matzah crack and sprinkles and dipping it in this and that and the other and suddenly Passover is fun with children but I'm I'm more leaning onto your side of things Emily in terms of so I will up. say though I actually really like Passover now I mean I will agree matzah is not the most fun of foods and I do still miss my carbs but <laughs> I think what really changed it for me was as an adult when I sort of like learned to cook myself and sort of started exploring Jewish food and different like food traditions from around the world and you know different recipes sort of beyond your mainstream like kind of American Ashkenazi like Seder food that really sort of changed my stance on Passover and made me more excited for it and more connected to it. What I love is, you know, so often our Judaism is associated with our childhood and what we learn and what we do and all the traditions. And there's many wonderful things, but I love that in adulthood, we, we make it our own and we can make our own decisions about stuff. Me personally, I didn't love the Seder growing up. I remember sort of 
often I remember a couple of seders when I was a teenager just wanting to go out and do something with my friends and like no we have to sit around the table for hours and do this boring thing which I thought was was pretty boring but conversely as you know I've got a big family in Israel whenever we did it in Israel it was so much fun I mean everything in Israel holiday-wise is fun lots of cousins great food really really short seder so I kind of had those two 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 types and then here in London we've just embraced it since having children doing it our way a bit like you both are saying about you know changing things up in in adulthood so let's get down to, to business when actually is Passover in 2022 so it's coming up soon it's not especially early as Passover goes but this year it will be starting at sundown the evening of Friday, April 15th, and it will end Saturday, April 23rd. And it's the same weekend as Easter this year. Does that happen often? I can't remember whether it does. I think Pretty it does often. happen often. Yeah, yeah. It's nice when it happens because I feel like, okay, you, everyone else understands that it's, it's holiday season. We're not just running out of work in a hurry. Do, do you know what I mean? For sure. And for years, you know, especially going to work and always having to explain, hey, I, I have to leave work early today. I have a Seder to get to. And everybody kind of looking at me like, wait, what do you mean? What? It's just dinner, right? It's trying to explain like it's so much more than just dinner. And, you know, it's funny, Karen, listening to you say like, oh, I hated how long the Seders were. I love a long Seder. Not saying that I want to be up till three in the morning. I know sometimes Seders can go on that long. Luckily, my family Seders were never that long. But, you know, I just love the ceremony of all of it. I love the whole process before the festive meal and getting excited for the festive meal and all of the songs you sing afterward mm. and each of those traditions with my cousins we always did a big family seder with my aunts uncles and cousins growing up and it's always something I've looked forward to and I've really missed these last two years especially with COVID and all but you did something interesting in 2020 I can't remember what you did but I remember you sent me this 2020 I, was the first year brother you sent me this whole PowerPoint presentation thing. I did a virtual seder yes I was I mean, newly married. Yeah, one interesting thing about the pandemic was we were kind of all forced to do what we wanted to do. And it was really interesting, actually, how we deep, we deep dived when it was actually really all down to us. Yeah, you know, I it was just such a weird concept to me. You know, I was newly married and I've always been thinking, oh, great, I'm going to bring my husband. I'm bringing my husband to the family Seder. Like this feels like such the adult thing to do. And then, nope, sorry, world shut down. Like we're not getting together. And my whole family on the phone saying, well, what are we going to do? And I got together with one of my cousins and we sat down for a couple hours and we wrote this virtual Seder PowerPoint. And we're like, you know what? It's not the same. It's not going to be the whole ceremony, but we're going to hit all the key points and we're going to make the best of it. And, you know, it, it helped. It helped a lot. It was better than just saying, okay, well, we're not going to do anything because we can't. And at least we were all able to see each other virtually and still kind of hit those key points that we want to and sort of have our meals together, even though it was, it was definitely different. And I was definitely missing my uncle's pepper steak that he makes every year for the Seder. I found it really memorable. I mean, I, I can remember the 2020 Seder more than the one last year when I was thinking back, because like last year actually we did do a, a really small family Seder with some in-laws and stuff. But 2020, it was Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. But it meant that we could do it with my brother in America and my family in Israel here or us all at once. And I know there was a lot of special stories. Emily, do you, do you, can you think back? I know it wasn't a dream Seder for you in 2020 or how do you look back yeah, on it? Yeah, it wasn't. So the first night I just did it on my own. I didn't do Zoom. 
it's it was okay. It's obviously not the same. And then the second night I did do a little Zoom Seder just with one of my cousins who is, I guess, as we would say in, you know, Smashing Life World, sort of Jewish. And like she wasn't raised Jewish, but has Jewish heritage that she's sort of interested in exploring. And she, you know, wanted to do a Seder. So yeah, we we just did sort of a, a little quick Seder, just kind of like hitting on the main points. So that was fun. And I want to talk also about you can do a Seder on your own if that's something, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure. Totally. Like, I mean, any yeah. tips or from, from your experience or anything to share about that? Yeah, I would just really say, I mean, like, think about sort of what is important to you and sort of what you want out of it and also what will make the experience, you know, good for you. So, I mean, yeah, like think about if you want to do the whole, you know, traditional Seder and all the songs and everything, or maybe you just sort of want to go through and, you know, take the sort of key points that speak to you the most. I would say, you know, like have a nice meal for yourself, you know, something you'll enjoy. Like if you do wine, you know, get yourself a nice wine. Yeah, that, that would be sort of my main point. Get a good Haggadah. That will be interesting to read. Let's, yeah, let's talk Haggadahs because, uh, you know, years, year on year, there's even more interesting variations. Is it kind of something that we can now personalize? Like, first of all, let's just share what is a Haggadah to anyone who might be celebrating Passover the first time. And let's talk about some ideas. Yeah, so a Haggadah is a book that sort of outlines the ritual of the Seder, basically. So it kind of, it just takes you through sort of the story of Israelites um, in, in Egypt and slavery, and then, you know, eventually being freed. It takes you through, you know, the 10 plagues that God imposes on the Egyptians, and then... Or 250 if you're reading the Maxwell Coffee House edition. <laughs> oh, gosh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. That but... was the edition they did. Was that like a Mrs. Maisel version or something? Yeah, and that's the that's the edition that I've always used. It's very classic. I think it came out in like the 50s or something, and it is very long and very tedious to get through. I kind of have a nostalgic attachment to it just because it's what my family have always used, but my husband hates it. He's like, I never want to sit through a Seder with this book. Can we just pick a different one? You know, it's it's one of those things that when I when I do read it now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, like there's a lot in here that doesn't need to be in here. It is a very long winded way of telling this story. And a lot of it is very outdated. And I know that there's so many different additions out there. But when I look at different Haggadahs, even like the fun ones that have like themes, it doesn't feel like Passover to me. And so <laughs> I'm still on a search for like, what is the Haggadah that is going to feel most like Passover to me, but is not necessarily the Maxwell Coffee House edition. So we had like these children's Haggadahs. Did you not have those with like the pull-out stuff? Absolutely not. Oh my no, gosh. Always. They did not have like pull-out anything. Oh my gosh. We had they like, were just... we had, so it's a kind of really old version. It's actually in this room somewhere, but it's a classic children's Haggadah that I think my dad had one and then we oh, had wow. them. And then now my in-laws have bought them for my children. And that's the Haggadah that I associate because they're very dry, the adult versions. I don't know how kids are meant to engage with them. Oh, I was six years old and we were taking turns. We all took turns reading paragraphs and I was reading out of the the, the adult Haggadah at six, <laughs> not understanding what I was reading, but really enjoying practicing my reading skills. Oh. You know, the kids Haggadah that I had, like my family has, you know, at times still used it like in adulthood because it is like a nice 
I mean, again, it doesn't have like, you know, pop up or anything of yours, but it is sort of like simple, you know, it has some illustrations. illustrations. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we have used it. And I, I think it's a, it's a very, you know, nice Sagata. I would, I, and I love, like, I would recommend it. I love all the sort of, I know you've got this in your Haggadah, but like the history of Passover is all of like, you know, the wine drops and the stains and the, some messages and some notes. <laughs> and it's just, it's lovely. I love, you know, I love Haggadah for that reason as well. Let's dive into food. We always like to hear about food. It's always our most requested topic to talk about. Sam, you said that you love Passover oh, here. food. Let's talk. What are some typical Passover foods? And maybe Emily can tell us about maybe some untypical ones that you love. Sure. I mean, if, you know, when I think Passover, one of like the most nostalgic and the food I look forward to the most is my mom's egg noodles. My mom always makes homemade egg noodles every single Passover. It's literally just like a very thin crepe-like omelet that she makes in a pan and then cuts into noodle shapes. Oh, and I remember you sharing that in Smashing Life, I think. It's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, because last year, um, I think I think 2020, even though we weren't all together, she did make some and had them in a container that I, I went and picked up. But last year, I was like, you know what? This is the year. Because we were still weren't together last year. We still did a virtual Seder. And... I was like, this is the year that I'm going to make it myself. And so I did. And it was, I was so proud. Like it's, it doesn't seem like a big deal. You know, it's something that she made and something her mother made and something her grandmother made. So like for me to be able to make it and then hopefully to like pass that down to future children one day, just feels really special. Plus they taste delicious. And what have you got on your Seder menu? You said you were already planning. Oh, I mean... I, I'm just planning what I'm going to eat throughout the week, but I'm hoping <laughs> the plan is hopefully that my family will be able to get together this year. You know, COVID numbers permitting a lot of my cousins have babies now who aren't able to be vaccinated. So we're, we're just kind of keeping our eyes on everything, but I'm really hoping we can all be together. My aunt usually pulls out all the stops. You know, my, my uncle makes this pepper steak and my aunt mm. always has like three or four different kinds of kugel. And we do the chicken soup with the egg noodles, a lot of really yummy veggies, just like a lot of really delicious things that I am very much. It's always, I always feel like it's a second or third Thanksgiving. It's just so yeah. much food. And Emily, what are your plans this year for, for Passover? Are you doing some cooking? Always. I mean, you can't do Passover without <laughs> cooking. It's a little, I'm still sort of TBD about the details, but some things that I really love eating on Passover in general, I would say like sort of my favorite genre of Passover food. This is not something I grew up with at all, but there are a lot of really delicious Sephardi sort of like egg cheese vegetable casserole dishes. Mm. There's one, I think probably my favorite called Almadrote, which is with eggplant, which sounds weird, but it's actually really, really delicious. It's like eggplant. Nothing with eggplant sounds weird. Yeah, yeah, I love okay. eggplant. Yeah, yeah no, I do too. I do too. <laughs> I think like feta cheese or some kind of like flavorful cheese so I really mm -hmm. like that there's also like another version called sfangado which I think is with you know can be with like zucchini or spinach there are versions with leeks I really really enjoy those dishes um you get that sort of like nice layer of like crispy cheese on the top which I mean I, I always love a good layer of, of that and cheese. I would never associate those particular dishes with with Passover yeah and it's so yeah. great I'm, I'm I think in our Passover guide which uh, we'll link to in the show notes. We'll have links to some of these more unusual Passover recipes. You know what's one Passover dish that I used to hate? And it wasn't until our Passover challenge last year that I actually realized I like it. Matzah brai. Because mm -hmm, growing up, brai. growing up, I've only ever had it sweet. You know, it was always made with syrup and sugar. And I just, it's too sweet for me. So I just, I never liked it. 
And then I think someone in our Smashing Life group mentioned, hey, you can make this savory. Oh, was you? So do you remember in in Smashing Life, we did, um, we'll probably do this again this year, actually, a matzo brai kind of virtual making matzo brai together during Passover week. And so we all had some different, different ideas and yeah, we, it's a brilliant savory kind of light dinner dish or brunch dish. Learning to make it savory completely changed my mind on it. And now it's something that I'm really looking forward to because it was delicious. I just, I can't do like the super sugary sweet stuff. Well, my husband did a weird thing with matzo brai. So we always used to make it growing up. My mom did it sort of scrambled mm-hmm. and my husband's the, the cook in our family. And, and he's like, yeah, let's do matzo brai. He was all over it. And I was like, what are you doing when he was making it? He made it into sort of like a pancake kind of condensed do, do you know that mm. version it was like and then we kind of almost sliced mm. it up and I, I like my version I'm sorry well that's what I, we've did. always done it scrambled yeah. yeah yeah well I posted a reel last week that you'll see um have a look at the your Jewish life Instagram with 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 how to properly make matzo bride this <laughs> <laughs> so no, we're just gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back just want to take a moment to invite you over to my place. That's my Jewish community, Smashing Life, a place for everyone, Jewish or Jewish, to feel welcome. It's a non judgmental Jewish community that nourishes and empowers you and gives you everything you need to feel Jewish at heart and supercharged in life, hosted by me, Karen Cinnamon. I'm going to hand over to one of our members, Jeanette, uh, so you can hear what she has to say about Smashing Life. I love all the perks of being in Smashing Life, from the masterclasses to the resources to the discounts to the opportunity to crowdsource in the Facebook group. It all provides so many great benefits. We also have forums, recipes, book clubs, craft clubs, modern Jewish life experts, Zoom Kabbalah Shabbats, monthly expert masterclasses, social events, online and real life, discounts, gifts, and I could go on and on. It really is the place for every Jewish woman. It is super inclusive, super warm, um, and I invite you to come and join us and connect with me and hundreds of other like-minded Jewish women from all over the world. You'll find a beautiful community local to you, and you'll also create new Jewish friends all over the world to share Jewish culture and joy with and learn Jewish rituals that will fill your life with purpose. So head on over to smashinglife.club and come join us. So obviously the Seder plate, the centerpiece of the the Seder night, and obviously people panic about they got the right things and they got the right Seder plate. And is it the right this? Let's talk. What exactly goes on the Seder plate, Emily? And then maybe Sam, you could tell us a bit about Seder night and things like that. (laughs) Yeah. So there are a number of things that go on the Seder plate, and they all have symbolism behind them. This How many things, of, first in of all? In a particular order. Yeah. How many things? Let me, you know, I have to, <laughs> I have to sort of take account. Hold on. It's funny, isn't it? It's like, we've been doing it year in, year out. And we just... I still have to look it up every I single know, year. I we think do. it's six things. I mean, some people add extras or, you know, do different things. But I and think you, they're sort what, of like six essentials. And before you tell us, like, what's your take on sort of improvising if you don't have anything? Because it's not always easy to get all the bits and pieces, especially, yeah. you know. We were thrust upon it in lockdown. I have to just quickly say before before you answer that, um, like everyone, we were suddenly, you know, we'd always done us personally um, Seder night at either my parents or my husband's parents. And suddenly we were doing it at home and we didn't have a Seder plate. 
And yes, I could have bought one, but I didn't see one that took my fancy online. So we just made one out with the kids out of cardboard and it was hand painted in little circles and it was adorable. And I just want to just, I just want to mention that before, you know, Emily tells us what we're supposed to do. And it's not like, just have fun with it, make it your own. If you don't have all the bits, you can make the, I think we did the parsley out of um, green tissue paper, you know, it's symbolism. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, like 2020, I mean, the Passover that was like, right, you know, in the hardcore lockdown, when I did my little mini Zoom Seder with my cousin, I had barely any of the things to put on a Seder plate. And I ended up, I just drew a little Seder plate, like (laughs) a picture of it. It works. So yes, I mean, absolutely. Like, you know, use your imagination. Take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, <laughs> or a pinch of salt water. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but there, there are all kinds of things you can do, and you shouldn't feel like if you can't, you know, do everything like to the, you know, the way it's written, like you shouldn't do it at all. Because and it, yeah, and fun. Emily's Emily's going to tell us what to do, but we're going to have this all packed out in a in a really cool free Passover guide, which we'll link to in the show notes, or just go to your Jewish life dot co slash passover and you can download the free guide so yeah what's on the seder plate (laughs) okay so one thing that's on a seder plate and this is something a lot of people including me um like to sub out is a roasted shank bone which is meant to symbolize the um pesach sacrifice that was offered in the temple in jerusalem like back in ancient times before the temple was destroyed however i don't really eat or cook meat so i don't really want to have you know like a cow or lamb or whatever bone on my plate but there is actually a really good sub you can do that has a very long and illustrious tradition and that is a beet I'm not entirely sure why a beet some people say it's because the red color of the beet resembles the blood like from the sacrifice that you know would have been in the temple but a beet is mentioned as far back as the Talmud as a, a sub for the bone so you should you know feel confident with your beet as I do <laughs> the next thing is roasted or boiled egg which is meant to symbolize either the spring season when Passover happens or morning because um, eggs are a traditional morning food in, in Jewish culture and morning for the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple the next thing this is also something that I think a lot of people have a lot of feelings about is maror which is bitter herbs or herbs so, as we say here or herbs as you say <laughs> yeah So that is meant to represent the bitter experience of the Hebrew slaves. So originally it was probably a a bitter lettuce, but today a lot of people use horseradish. Because I know, I think just the way our lettuce has been bred, like it's not actually very bitter anymore. There is actually sword lettuce. I've learned this year is a very sword bitter lettuce? lettuce. It's called sword lettuce. I've um, never it's heard like of a, that. It's like an Asian lettuce, and I actually had it this year. So I feel like that would be a good substitute if you're looking for a bitter. Type That's of so green. interesting. I'm gonna have to look that up. Mm-hmm. So yes, if you want to be more authentic, look for the sword <laughs> lettuce. So next, we come to what I think is the most fun and delicious thing on the seder plate: the choroset. So that is um, the pyramids when they were enslaved in Egypt. And, and if you ask anybody, they will say that their Horoset is the best one. Yes. They totally will. <laughs> and there's so many different like recipes from different cultures around the world. I know the sort of like standard, you know, American Ashkenazi one is usually like 
fresh like diced apples and nuts like I know we usually use walnut some cinnamon and a little like splash of wine or grape juice (laughs) yeah cinnamon there you go Karen um, there are a lot of different kinds from different places in the world like I know there are a lot of Middle Eastern like safari and it's ridiculously easy to make isn't it yes it's super easy it's super easy but yeah, there are a lot of like date-based versions, um, which can be really delicious. There are some that have like figs or prunes. Oh, that even. sounds yummy. Yeah. I've tried a lot of different recipes and I find it really fun, you know, just making like a different Harosa recipe every year. I think my mm. favorite one I've made is based on a medieval recipe from medieval like Spain and Provence. And it's it's sort of similar to your like, contemporary Ashkenazi haroset but it includes chestnuts Ooh. and I think it just it's like chestnuts apples nuts dates and figs so it's just like a little bit of a jazzed up kind of version of what you might be used to I think yeah. last year in Smashing Life we had a very cool um haroset thread just because there are so many mm-hmm. different types and like why make a haroset that you're not is gonna absolutely totally love? totally and you can you can make more than one you could have like a little haroset yeah. like tasting you know, oh yeah haroset yeah. bar <laughs> and I also find if you have leftover it's really good it makes a nice breakfast so you can put it on matzah you can like put it on yogurt you're a fan you're a yeah, fan I really. am a fan I am a fan <laughs> Now come to something that I find I find less exciting, which is carpas, which is supposed to be a spring green. And people use a lot of different things for carpas. Parsley and celery are popular choices. Some people, like mostly like Ashkenazi from you know far eastern Europe, also use potato because in you know in the shuttle, like you could not get anything green really at mm-hmm. um at the time of your Passover fell. So. so that's what I always grew up with. I mean, we would have parsley on the Seder plate as like sort of symbolism, but then we would, when we, when it came to the part of the Seder where you were supposed to dip that into the salt water, we always used potato. We never actually took the parsley off the Seder plate. And I was always very confused as to why we had the parsley on the Seder plate, but then we're dipping the potato in the salt water. And it was just explained to me as one of those things like, well, that's what my grandmother did. So that's what we do, which is not really an explanation. But then I learned that exactly what you just said, Emily, it's a very like old country shuttle type of tradition. And that's definitely where it stems from. Yeah. So that's actually like, honestly, my family always did parsley and I wish we did potato and I would love to, because I actually, I cannot eat parsley. It is my biggest food aversion. Like, I know that's odd, but like the way some people are about cilantro, I am about parsley. I just cannot do it. <laughs> You must find I restaurants always... really annoying because they're on almost every dish, <laughs> a little garnish. Yeah, I mean, I, I often, you know, if, if I'm sort of like prepared for it, I, I often literally like at restaurants will ask like, please don't put parsley on this dish. <laughs> See, I always um, appreciated the potato because, you know, you'd have it at least a little bit before the festive meal. So it would hold you over yeah. Um, yeah. for those next few bits until you were able to actually eat totally. <laughs> a lot more filling than parsley. You mentioned something really funny to me earlier about salt water. Sam, oh my can gosh. you share that the, with everyone? The salt water challenge. Okay, so kind of jumping ahead a little bit, right, to the Manishtana, which is uh, yes, four questions. Yes, how could we have gone this long without mentioning Manishtana? Right. right, the four questions that you say or sing during the Seder, it's usually done by the youngest person. Now, I was not the youngest person. I have a, a younger sister who's about two years younger than me, but she refused to do it. So for almost 30 years, I was basically doing this by myself. <laughs> but- 
my older cousin, he's about five years older than me, but he would be the second, he would be the, the next youngest. He took pity on me and he would do it with me every year. And then one year we decided to have a competition. And so we always had the leftover salt water, obviously from when you're dipping your potato or so we also dipped, we had like egg that we would eat. We would have like a, an egg that we'd eat right before the festive meal in the salt water. And so you have all the yolk and the salt water, like just in the bowl. The, the challenge was whoever could drink the whole thing without throwing up, <gasps> didn't have to do the monishdana uh, for the rest of forever. Oh, and that is great. And, oh. and I lost. <laughs> So I, I, up until the, up until two years ago, when my neck, my cousin's youngest was able to, or not youngest kid, but my cousin's Ugh. kid was old enough. He's like five now. So he's able to sing Manishtana. I have been doing the Manishtana for almost 30 years now. And I finally have been relieved of my duties all because I lost the saltwater challenge. Oh, I can't believe you can even tell that story without, without gagging. Yeah, it was pretty gross. <laughs> We're two and a half weeks away from Passover, or maybe a bit less, if you're listening to the episode uh, in, in a few days after it's been released. What are you guys like doing to get in the mood for Passover? Or is there like, do you have a playlist or films you like watching movies or doing stuff with friends? Like, what do you like doing? It's not like a festival we can hang some decor up or get a Hanukkah. Honestly, <laughs> you know, it's funny, like for me, the the act of cleaning my whole house, even though it's like not really fun. It's more labor intensive, but that really like makes me feel like I'm getting in the mood. I really scrub down my kitchen. I clean out my whole fridge. I hide everything in the pantry. Like I'll put tin foil on all the surfaces. It's therapeutic as well, isn't it? It really is. It's something that makes me feel really connected to the holiday. And when my husband and I, when we moved in together, I realized that that's not how he grew up. You know, he kind of just did bare bones you know, we don't eat chametz, we don't eat bread, but there wasn't this whole kitchen cleanup or buying like different condiments or different products that had kosher Passover symbol on it, which is fine. There's no wrong way to do it, but that's just not how I felt connected. And I remember having a conversation with him where he was like, well, you know, why can't you just try it my way? And I said, you know, it's not, it's not that one way is the right way and one way is the wrong way. It's for you. You can give up bread for the week. I can't give that up for the week because I already don't eat it during the year. So for me, going through the whole tradition, going through the whole cleaning, going through all like the changing out of the food, like for me, that's how I connect to the holiday. And that's what makes it feel special, like a special week for me. And it really opened his eyes to like a different way to celebrate it. And so now, you know, he helps with all the cleaning and and we do it together and yeah, we'll put on, we'll put on like a fun playlist of Jewish music as we clean and we really get into it. And and it's, it just, even like having a different tablecloth on your table to like, just, you know, signify that it's a different, it's a different week. It's a special week really goes a long way. I love that. And I love the symbolism that you attach to it, that it's meaningful for you. And I think at this time of year, there's a lot of talk about, you know, not being Jewish enough or finger pointing if you don't clean out your entire house. And I think, you know, we talk about this a lot on Jewish Life, all our platforms that, do it if it sparks meaning exactly and, you know it doesn't have to be joyful I can't imagine that every moment of cleaning is joyful but it's no. meaningful and that's why it's important to you and exactly it, go ahead. yeah it's not about getting every crumb out it's not about changing out like all the food that if that doesn't bring meaning to you that's not the way to celebrate it you should only do it if it's bringing meaning to you that's and that's why I do it you know it's something that means a lot and I I hope to pass that on but it, you know, if that's something that one day future kids of mine don't feel connected to, that's fine. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not here to tell anybody how to do something or what's the right way. 
I know what connects me to the holiday. And I think, you know, as we tell all these different stories and explain all of our different traditions and, you know, look at the Passover guide, do some research on different traditions and find what makes it meaningful to you. And if it's just giving up bread for the week, then that's perfect. That's enough. We've got a great Passover playlist that we've compiled at Your Jewish Life, which Sam, you're going to want to put it on when you're doing the cleaning. Oh, definitely. Um, it's new for this year, new playlist, um, yourjewishlife.co slash Passover playlist. I'll also link to it in the show notes. It's really, really good. So anything else we want to add before we do a quick um, rapid fire, Passover rapid fire? Can you believe it? That's a thing. <laughs> I think we did... Um miss one thing off the Seder plate just I know we we kind of got into another conversation but I just (laughs) want to add the last thing for completion there is this is always something I found kind of confusing but there is um, something called chazeret which is supposed to be a second bitter herb and a lot of people will use romaine lettuce for this even if they use horseradish you know for their maror this herb or what, you know, lettuce in this case is um, what you use in, you know, the Hillel sandwich, which is a part in the Seder where you make a little sandwich out of matzah, your um, chazeret, again, which is probably romaine lettuce for most people, and some haroset. Yeah, yeah, that is that. Those are sort of like the traditional ones, but some people have other things they use on their Seder plates. Like I know it's become sort of in the past like few decades, kind of like a, a thing. Some people will put an orange on their Seder plate. So that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. What's the symbolism of the orange? So it's meant to represent, I mean, it can represent either like the role of women, like in the story and the Seder and or the LGBTQ community. As I understand it, the way this came about was that... Uh, an, an academic in the um, Jewish world, Dr. Susanna Heschel, who's the daughter of Abraham Joshua Heschel, was a very, very famous rabbi of the 20th century. I think she's, you know, feminist and like very into women, women being involved actively in Judaism. And I think someone said something along the lines of her, like dismissively to, you know, a woman should be like a rabbi, you know, like an orange belongs on a Seder plate or something like that. Oh, I love that. And yeah, like, yeah. she decided to put an orange on her Seder yeah. plate. And now a lot of people put an orange on their yeah. Seder plate. So no, we did that last year. And it, it, it feels we've been doing that the last two years as well. It's and nice. It, yeah. it feels fresh. It feels like I love the way Judaism evolves like that. I absolutely love of that and that, that that's part of making Judaism it's so important that Judaism evolves to make it relevant for every generation and again that's something I've been talking about on my Instagram that Judaism isn't a static thing that if you don't do it exactly like our ancestors did it hundreds of years ago you're a bad Jew you know it evolves and that's the way it survives and I, this orange on the Seder plate is such a great example of that so let's finish off with Passover this or that <laughs> i feel like we should have a theme song oh i do i do too and we haven't missed out any any fun passover movies or anything. i'm trying to think of things that people can do to get i mean in. passover rugrats obviously yeah, i'll bring it up really every like time we have a holiday what? oh yeah have you never sure. seen the rugrats passover special no am you've I... got to show it to your kids karen <laughs> it is Again, Rugrats does it again. I feel like we say this every holiday. It's just like the perfect 30-minute little movie video that it truly just encompasses the entire holiday. It explains it so well, and it's funny and cute and beautifully done, and I highly recommend. That's a sell. Wow. It's fun for adults, too, but I would especially recommend it for kids. So, Karen, I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah, well, we'll do a a, a Rugrats watch party maybe inside Smashing Life as well. Also... Prince of Egypt, classic movie, of really beautifully done. One of 
just like beautifully illustrated. The music's amazing. It's a really beautiful movie. All right. Well, just we wish everyone Chag Sameach. And also we want to encourage you, if you're listening, to please join in the conversation with us and tag your Passover prep images, your Seder tables, tag at your Jewish life so we can all join in and feel connected to one another wherever you're celebrating Passover and however you're celebrating it. But we're going to end with some quick rapid fire questions. I'll answer as well, but I'll, I'll shoot them out. You guys go ahead and just shout out your answers. Macaroons or mozzacrat? Macaroons. So for me, if they're almond macaroons, I would vote that. If they're coconut macaroons, I would pick the <laughs> mozzacrat. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm totally team mozzacrat and the kids just love it. By the way, if you're listening and you're, you've got kids and you want to get them involved and feeling festive, it is the best way to get kids into sort of Passover and making, making Passover food. It's so much fun and so easy. I'll link to our matzo crack Instagram reel with a recipe in the show notes as well. Festive meal or afikoman hunt? Oh, we didn't festive even talk afikoman. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love the festive meal, but there, you know what? There's something about hiding hiding the afi komen and coming up with a crazy clue and having people run around and you can't finish the seder until it's found that's really fun so i'm gonna go with afi komen hunt i definitely prefer the meal <laughs> i always find the afi komen thing like especially like when i have seders like with my family it's like my dad still insists on like hiding it and having me find it and i honestly just like it's cute but i just like find it annoying at this yeah point. i think that's precious <laughs> try try hiding an afi komen virtually and having people guess where it is because oh, wow. <laughs> i've hour. done that the last two years wow um, um, i think do you know what it's a hard one for me because I, I see i love the beauty of both but um if i had to choose one it has to be the festive meal with togetherness and tradition and and all that, that those lovely foods um but yeah, I do love a good Afikoman hunt as well. Do we want, which of these do you prefer? A 30-minute Zoom Seder or five-hour in-person Seder? I think you know my answer. So, five yeah, hours in person. Too, like, if it's like good, a five-hour in person. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't be Absolutely. in person. You can't beat it. And you can daydream for a few minutes if you if you can't engage for the whole yeah. thing. But you can't be in person. Yeah. I miss I miss in person for sure. <laughs> Four cups of wine or four cups of grape juice? Give me the wine. <laughs> you know, I, I, growing up, even, even when I was of age, of drinking age, my mom would not let me drink four cups of wine. She would just look at me like, what, what are you doing? Here's the grape juice right here. Because she's just a very, you know, just not, not into the alcohol. And it was just very funny. My actually that side of the family doesn't really drink. It's mostly grape juice. So I'm always like, well, great. More wine for me. You definitely yeah, don't want I to would see have me. I said wine, but like, unfortunately, in my old age, my body like has decided it does not tolerate <laughs> alcohol very well anymore. You are such a so millennial. It's gonna have to be grape juice. <laughs> yeah, you don't. I'm for. I mean, I'm sorry to be let the party down as well, but you do not want to see me after four cups of wine, even after two cups. I'm afraid I have just since <laughs> having. So I had two two babies, literally one after the other. So I didn't drink for eighteen months, and I've never been able to regain my. Uh, my uh, alcohol consumption after that so yeah I'm sadly going to go with four cups of grape juice as well if I had to be a choice oh all right we'll go half and half what are we two cups of wine two cups of grape juice (laughs) that sounds good I'll meet you halfway (laughs) 
Do you, okay, next one. Rice or no rice? Can I go first? Because I'm so passionate about this one. Please go first. Yeah. Team Safadi. Rice. I, I mean, I live on rice. I'm rice. Literally, I'm not joking. I don't know if you guys know this about me. I eat rice every single day. My mother. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. My mother used to make me rice. As that was all I ate as a child. It's, wow. She was still making me rice till the day she died. I've had to learn to, my, my mother died four months ago and I've had to learn um, how to cook her rice from, from her sisters. And I could oh, never wow. do seda without rice or mm. posse without rice. So definitely rice. <laughs> I'm still in that. Uh, I, know, I know like whichever rabbi like said, it's okay now. And like the, the reason behind it. The conservative movement said it's okay. Yeah, so, the conservative movement said it's okay. But, you know, I, I just grew up not not having rice and it feels a little weird to have rice on Passover for me. I think it came about because like the way it used to be produced, there was like potential cross-contamination with grains, which is why it was more of the the tradition of like, just to be on the safe side, but now there's no risk of contamination, but people still don't eat rice and I still don't eat rice. Which I, it. Yeah. Even though it doesn't really have a, a leg to stand on anymore. <laughs> but it's like what you said earlier about the symbolism. It's one of the things that you associate with Passover. Exactly. How about so you? Team no rice. <laughs> so I do eat rice. My family sort of, I mean, even before, you know, the conservative movement, like, okay, it, my family sort of, you know, added it in based on our sort of very remote, like possibly apocryphal Sephardi ancestry. <laughs> so um, yeah, I ate rice. Final one. So many good Passover songs. Manishtana or Chad Gadya? I love Chad Gadya. Yeah, I love Chad Gadya too. It's such a good, it's one. A good one. I love Dayenu as well. Yeah. My cousin gets the party going. (laughs) My cousin's husband, his family has a tradition where they do all of the different animal sounds and other sounds to that song. And the first year he came to our Seder and did all the sounds, there was, everyone was hysterically laughing. And now we force him to do it every year because it's the best. I've got to say Seder in your, in your place sounds like an absolute blast. It's really fun. The cousins running around and there's your uncle's songs. You've got it. It's great. <laughs> Honestly, I, I hope we can meet in person this year. I miss it. Oh, well, what we're going to do, um, if you're a member of Smashing Life and you're listening to this episode, you got to get ready for Passover bingo. We're doing our famous Passover bingo starting very soon to get everyone prepped and ready for Passover in a really fun way. So that's fun. I guess all that remains for us is to wish our wonderful listeners a Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach, everybody. Yeah, Chag Sameach. Have a wonderful Passover 2022. Bye. 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 If this episode inspired you in some way, I'd love you to take a screenshot of you listening on your device and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at your Jewish life. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and be your Instagram friend. That'd be fun. And I'd also love you to subscribe and share the episode with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I'd love you to leave a review as well. All these ways make sure that more people get to listen to the podcast and get inspired to live their Jewish life their way and we can spread the Jewish joy. So that would be a lovely mitzvah if you wanted to leave a review or share this episode with a friend or subscribe. One more thing I want to tell you about just before I go today is I've got a really great handy checklist for you if you are trying to build a Jewish home or you've got a home and you want to make it more Jewish or you just want to feel more Jewish at home. 
And it is a free checklist for everything you need in a modern Jewish home, literally covering everything you need to set up your modern Jewish home. If you've got a lot of these things, it's just a great reminder. There's links to everything you need as well. So it's, it's really handy in that way too. And there's checklists for Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat, Hanukkah, Passover, and lots of minor Jewish holidays as well. And all sorts of fun ideas for the items too. So just head to yourjewishlife.co slash Jewish home if you want to grab that checklist. That's yourjewishlife.co, that's .co slash Jewish home, all one word. And the checklist is for you, whether you're Jewish, Jewish, or becoming Jewish. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line on Instagram and have a great day.